0: Last week, well, we're talking this summer about the kingdom of God, and a lot of things that, that, um, that Jesus talks about, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, uh, kind of the uh, same thing. Um, he talks about, he says, it's like this, it's like that, it's like this. And last week, we, in Matthew 18, we saw that the kingdom of God was like, and then he talked that whole parable of forgiveness. And the, you know, the guy who was forgiven of billions of dollars, and then he beat up people because they owed him 10 bucks. Um, and so the kingdom of God is like forgiveness. So I want to continue on with forgiveness because you cannot do forgiveness justice in one little time, one little day, because forgiveness is so huge. My heart, our heart here, my heart for my life, your life, and everybody's life is that we would walk in freedom, that we would walk not held back by things. And there's a lot of things that hold us back, but at the root of so many things that keep us from becoming who God wants us to be is wounds that we held in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness holds us back as much as anything. They're like little hooks we put on us. And we're mad at somebody because they did hurt us, right? Let's not pretend that we weren't hurt. So there's a hurting comes... And then our response to it is I hate you and you hurt me and I'm gonna get you and I'll show you and all that stuff that person who hurt you is living a jolly well fine life and you're dying and you're putting you got all these little hooks on you or if we want to use I should have brought the parachute in here I'm excited about that parachute it's like putting a bunch of parachutes on you so you're trying to run and you're just putting parachute after parachute on you and it is not good and so we're living our lives so often tied to things, and at the root of a lot of them is unforgiveness. And so, as we walk in forgiving and in forgiveness, we will walk in freedom. And so, I want to I want to point out uh, today. I want to talk about um, what is what was that title? Put that slide up. Something about a victim. I don't know what. Oh, there you go. Don't be a victim. Really catchy one there. Um, don't be a victim. I'm, things I talk about with unforgiveness, you know, if you were here last week, I talked about it. This is for individuals, this is for families, this is for churches, this is for regions, and it's for nations. I talked to you before, but many of, maybe most of the problems that we are seeing literally right today in America are the product of unforgiveness as a nation. Struggling with unforgiveness. And unforgiveness produces victims. Victims go nowhere. Victims live a miserable life. Two victims in the same room just beat each other up. And we have a victimized society, a society that's believed in or embraced victimhood. And it's an, you know, anybody can be a victim. You want to be a victim? Be a victim. It's easy to be a victim because everybody has been victimized in some way or another, and you can choose to be a victim. But it's a pretty lousy life. It's miserable. And if we gave testimonies to how awful it is to be a victim, people would stand up and say, it's pretty awful. I tried it for like 10 years. Didn't work. The only way to not be a victim, and I want to see today in the scripture, is to not hold the person who hurt you as guilty and release them by forgiving them. People who walk in forgiveness are not victims. I don't care what you do to them, they're not victims. You could beat them up, destroy them, tie them down. If they don't walk in unforgiveness, they'll never be a victim to you, and they'll always get up, and they'll always move forward. So my challenge to me, to you and if again i always think i'm talking to the entirety of the nation surprisingly they don't all listen but in my head they're all paying attention um, if if we would stop being victims we could fulfill even the purpose of a nation that god called us to but when we walked in victimhood we just beat each other up that's it. if you have a family full of victims you have a family that fights that's all you got if you have a town that's just victimized and embracing victimhood, I'm not even sure if that's the word, you got a town that fights because everybody's a victim. All right, so let's, let's go to Matthew 6. I want to start with this, and I want to jump to Genesis. Okay, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, of course, is in Matthew 6, and whatever verse that is, 10 or something like that, 9 or 10. Um, it, uh, we think of the Lord's Prayer as God teaching us, Jesus teaching us how to pray, Right? Because they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, da, 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 da. Um, that, that um, I, I did know it. Now I'm like Joe Biden, right? Our Father in heaven, and I, you know the rest. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I, I do know the Lord's Prayer, I think. But the funny story, I was speaking at a bac- baccalaureate in uh, um, in Titiute. I thought I was speaking. So I went down there, and I got there, and I got on the stage, and we, and I'm, I'm there prepared to speak. And there's another preacher there, another friend of mine down in Titusville, and, the, and the, 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 whoever the advisor says, Okay, Phil, you're preaching, and Rick, you lead the Lord's Prayer. I'm like, we, I don't do that. I'm not like, you know, most preachers can just lead. And I tell you what, it was, so I'm opening the Bible, right? Well, you know it's not in the Bible like they say it. And so... There was that moment I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to blow it on the Lord's Prayer in front of the entire school. Fortunately, I said our father and Tidiou being a good religious little town took over. So whew, I, was, I was a little nervous. So, uh, but, but in the Lord's Prayer, I just want you to see one thing about the Lord's Prayer. We think of it as how to pray. I want you to see that the Lord's Prayer is all about forgiveness. There are seven verses in the Lord's Prayer, three of them about forgiveness. There are five points in the Lord's Prayer. Two of them are about forgiveness. The Lord's Prayer, is, it says, Our Father in Heaven, right? So here's what it's saying. God, you're awesome. Okay, that's a good thing in prayer. The second thing says, Your will be done on earth. Let your awesomeness come here. Okay, that's a good way to start your relationship with God. You're amazing overflow here. Okay, the next thing that the, the Lord's Prayer says is, this is the only little tag that is similar to what we do in our prayer meetings. Give us today our daily bread. He's saying, hey, just take care of my needs, God. That's it. There's no praying for grandma's gallstones. There's no, there's no list of needs. There's no financial needs. There's no this need. There's no my truck's broken down need. There's no that need. It's the only real requ- request The Santa Claus type request is, give us our daily bread. That's the only thing. So then he goes on to say, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And that's, uh, if you say the Lord's Prayer in some denominations, it's trespasses. Uh, I was a Presbyterian growing up, so we said debts and debtors. Um, I guess we had financial issues in the Presbyterian church. Uh, The Lutherans had a lot of trespassing, which was always strange to me because I'm thinking, why is trespassing such a problem that we have to pray this every Sunday? Um, so, but, uh, but, it's, but it's all about, watch what he says, forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins, whatever you want to put in there. Forgive us our debts, watch this, as we forgive others. He ties immediately, he says, if you want to pray, you better deal with forgiveness, period. And he doesn't just say, Lord, forgive me. That's good, right? I get that. God, forgive me. Then he immediately ties God forgiving me with me forgiving you. And then, so then he goes say, you know, lead us not into temptation. He says, hey, don't get me in trouble. Don't let me get in trouble, God. Don't let me get in trouble. And then the part of the Lord's Prayer that we don't read is the next verse. Please feel free to skip this. It'll make you feel better. Um, He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against if- This is backwards and it's in my Bible. (laughs) I think it says if you don't forgive in my Bible. Um, Yeah, okay, so yeah, let me just read it out of here because I think it's the same. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, right? Then the next verse. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Again, we read that last week similarly in Matthew 18. My point to this entire thing is, if you want any relationship with God, you better deal with forgiveness. There, you will not have a relationship with God if you harbor unforgiveness, if you hold long-time grudges against people. And again, that's a loaded thing, right? I'm not saying if for a moment you don't forgive somebody, you're damned to hell. But I'm telling you, you will not walk in proper relationship with our Heavenly Father if you walk in unforgiveness period. We could all testify to it. See, we just jump to, Lord, give us our daily bread and a bunch of other things. It's not what the Lord's prayer is about. It's about God's awesome and deal with my heart and forgiveness and take care of my needs and don't lead me into a mess of things and things like that. My point is, if we want to walk in power in the Lord, if we want to walk in freedom, if we want to walk in the purposes God called us to if we want to walk pleasing to God, if we, you know throw in there any words you want, we have to deal with forgiveness such a big issue. so I want to talk today about being a victim. being a victim is so easy it's such an easy thing um, the, the um, you know we, in, and again, if you dealt with uh, even America today, whoever it is, and it doesn't matter who it is, if somebody feels they've been wronged, they want to correct the wrong, however it is. Whether that means the, the justice system, whether it means uh, restitution, retaliation, a rock falling on your head, whatever it would be, I want to I make this wrong right. And when, when you take on that mentality, you are a victim a victim of thing. And of course, victimhood uh, does produce a lot of really negative things. A lot of, a lot of bondage things and things like that. Go to that uh, slide of, um, of what you focus on. Cause I want you to see this. Um, I want to show you how victimhood binds you. Victimhood and unforgiveness are tied together and victimhood, unforgiveness and worship are all tied together. Now that's an, you're like, oh, wow, that's a weird thing to throw in there. But watch this. Um, when you are hurt, unforgiveness will consume you. Okay, we know that, right? If you get hurt, you hurt. It hurt. Ouch, it hurt. Don't pretend it didn't hurt, it hurt. But if you, if you land in unforgiveness, it will consume you. Here's how you, well, and all your focus will be on the one who hurt you. Okay, so here's what I want you to see because this is a really important thing. So how does this work? Lay at bed at night, and if you can't sleep, what are you thinking about? And if your mind keeps drifting to that one person again and again and again, and they keep, and you replay something in your head over and over again, and they're just there, they're in there. Go to the next thing. I think I said it in the next one. What we're doing, here's what's happening. We define worship. Worship is gazing upon someone or something, right? Worship of God is staring at God. That's what worship is. Now, a lot goes into that, but it's ultimately, you are awesome, God. That's worship. Out of that comes a lot of other things, but it's gazing at someone or something. Watch this. You will eventually become like that at which you stare, For you grammar police out there, I think I said that right. Did I? That at which you stare. This is an important thing. You stare at something long enough, you're going to become like that. Period. How come kids are like their parents? They watch them for 18 years. Just stare at them. Well, they don't really stare at you. I guess when they're a baby, they do. When you look at something long enough, you become like that, which you look at. How do you become like Jesus? You don't set up a bunch of rules and try to follow them. You get your focus on him, gaze at him, learn of him, commune with him, spend time with him. And the byproduct of that is, wow, you sure are more like Jesus this year than you were last year. Whatever you stare at, whatever you're focusing on, you will become like that. You will begin to mimic it. You'll begin to pattern yourself after that. Whatever you watch, I, I, you know, watch kids in sports, whoever they, whatever, their hero, right? They swing like him. They hit like him. They throw like them. They play, they have a tennis serve like him, whatever it would be. How do they get that? They stare at that one and they become like that one. The saint, that is a, that's a picture of what worship is. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the negative of this that makes you a victim. I want, to, I want you to be freed today so much. Watch this. Unforgiveness causes you to stare at the one who hurts you. Want you I, wanna, I want you to let that sink in. The one that you despise is consuming your focus. The one that you wish would drop dead, you're watching to see if they drop dead. But you, you, you get it. They're in there. They're in their head. They're wrapped up. You can't go a day without thinking about them. This could have been years ago. They're still right there. So your focus becomes upon the one who hurt you that you refuse to forgive and therefore, you become the one you hate. How does this happen? Let me, let me just, this is a, a way of understanding, if you want to use the word generational curses, how it happens. Um, I've seen this so many times. Let's just take addiction because it's a fairly easy pattern to see, and a lot of you have walked it out. You grew up with an alcoholic dad, let's say, you hated it. You hated it. And you told everybody when you were a kid, you would never be like dad. I'll never be an alcoholic. I'll never be abusive. I'll never use language like that. I'll never treat a mom, my wife, like he treats mom. I'll never do that. I'll never do that. And you begin to have a resentment in you over your dad. And you you harbor this hatred to it. And you just wish he was dead and all this stuff. And before you know it, you're 30 years old and you are your dad. How'd that happen? In a warped way, you worshipped your dad. Why? Because you kept staring at him. You couldn't let him go. Why? Because you harbored unforgiveness. And every day you said, I won't be like my dad. How'd you become like your dad? It happens all the time, people. But there's freedom from that. I'm looking at people right now who have been freed from becoming like their dad or their mom or their whoever. And you know what the common threat is? Somehow, of course they said, I'm not going to be like that, but somehow they got a hold of the supernatural power of God and they forgave them. They forgave them. It may have happened later in life sometime, but it broke the cycle. It absolutely broke the cycle. How come you're not like your dad? You know, and they tell a story, it's usually a supernatural story about how God freed them from harboring evil thoughts against their parent or whoever the one who hurt them was. I'm telling you people, you'll never break out of a bondage until you walk in forgiveness. It. It's just, uh, let me tell you a story about, uh, oh, and it's time to repent and forgive. That's a good one, so feel free. Let me tell you a story about, uh, um, do you guys remember um, Rwanda, 1994? I, mean, I I'm, Some of you are like, wow, that was like 10 years before I was born. It's like so long ago. Um, but if you, I can remember very clearly when it happened. It was summer of 1994. And um, I mean, nobody even knew Rwanda existed, right? And all of a sudden you hear in these weird news reports that everybody's getting killed in Rwanda. It was an awful time. Um, It was a a genocide that happened in Rwanda, for those of you who don't remember. Um, And there's two tribes in Rwanda, the Hutus and the Tutsis. And um, just a little background, there's a point to this, because I want to equate it to uh, what can happen as a result of forgiveness and what can also happen as a result of unforgiveness. The Tutsis and Hutus are very closely related tribes so many similarities in fact if we would meet Hutus and Tutsis we would not know the difference between them we would have no idea the difference they're very close they have, they have a very similar language uh they, they both speak French um and and all that but the uh the oh my gosh was it I think it was Belgium Belgium was in there Must, Belgium speaks French right what do they speak in Belgium yeah well so, so Belgium colonized Rwanda and, and yeah the, the, uh, I had to look to my one French-speaking friend. Uh, so, uh, the, the, uh, but when the Belgium were there, they put the Tutsis in charge. They put the Tutsis in charge because they had a little more European look in the Belgium mind. And so it was a, you know, it was a very racial thing. And so they put them in charge. So the Tutsis were in charge for quite a while. The Hutus were larger uh, in population and, but the Tutsis were in charge. The Tutsis were in charge for decades. And even after Rwanda got their freedom, uh, the Tutsis were in charge. And the Hutus hated it. Hated it. It drove out. There was such animosity. There was such uh, this were victim mentality. And it was awful um, that was going on over there. Then finally, the Hutus won an election. So now the Hutus... They got the presidency. So that was exciting, but there's still all this animosity pent up in them. Then the president, who's a Hutu, dies in a plane crash. Now, there's no proof that it was the Tutsis who did this. But when you're harboring unforgiveness and you're taking on victimhood and you hate a people, you will use any excuse you can to demonstrate your rage. And so the Tutsis were accused of this. And it was a rebel force of the Hutus. they were radical. They were nut force. It wasn't all Hutus. It was a radical thing. And they they mustered up an army. And they went all out war on the Tutsis. They they knew where they lived. They went after them. It was awful. I've read about it. Uh, um, It was just horrific. Um, Actually, since that time, I've had a real heart for Rwanda. And we do plan, the. It, it, hopefully whenever we can get back to traveling again, uh, we have pretty solid uh, invitations to come into Rwanda with the International Sports Academy. And so we're hoping to uh, be able to get over there uh, and work with them. But they, it was, they, they didn't even have guns, the Hutus didn't. So those of you who you know think, well, if we just get rid of guns, we'd get rid of all killing. The Hutus killed a million people who were Tutsis, without guns. They used machetes. They used shovels. They used sticks. They used pitchforks. It was awful. Hand-to-hand killing went on. This was a product of unforgiveness for decades that they finally got the upper hand and they said, we're going to use this. It was awful. I encourage you to read stuff, watch stuff, not so you get like, grossed out. But so you get a heart for, um, it's good to get a heart for Rwanda, uh, but it's also good to get an understanding of, listen, you do realize this could happen in America. could happen in America. When unforgiveness is never dealt with, and the person who's been victimized suddenly has power, they have huge potential to destroy the ones that has had power over them for decades. I, I, I really want, you know, we think, oh, well, that happened in Africa. Oh, yeah, because they're what, uncivilized, ignorant people? Don't think it can't happen here. If we don't deal with forgiveness, we're no better than anybody else. So what happened, and it, this, this massive killing in Sadiq, that, what was that guy's name that we uh, met there? Is it, um, um, James? Was that the? James, Uh, Sadiq and I were at a very unusual place and we're sitting there with a lot of big shots from all of East Africa. There was a dozen of us and us. Dozen of the leaders of all East Africa uh, churches and Sadiq and me staying in this little house for three days. Well, we're sitting next to this one guy. He's a very small man. I didn't speak English, so I'm sitting there. I can't speak to him. You know, we're just kind of whatever. Um, And then we learn that it's from Rwanda. Well, Sadiq gets all excited because he speaks French. So Sadiq starts talking to him. This guy, James, is the only guy there who doesn't speak English. And so he hears French, and he's just like, <gasps> like we just, uh, you know, he became, Sadiq became his hero at this thing. But here's what we found out. This guy was in Rwanda. Of course, he was in Rwanda during the genocide. But watch what, this is how bad it was. He's a Tutsi, and the Hutus were hunting Tutsis. And he, the, the Tutsis would run at night as far as they could, and then they would hide, even bury themselves in the dirt with a straw during the day as Hutus were walking over them. And then they were gone. They would get up and try to flee again. They were, heading, they were trying to get out of the country. They were trying to go anywhere because nobody was coming in and helping them. It was, a, it was just an awful thing. So I say that to say this. Rwanda is not like that today. It's not. Rwanda's pretty awesome today. Rwanda is one of the technologically, uh, lead, technological leaders in East Africa. Rwanda has, a, 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 in, in relative terms, a thriving economy. And awesome churches in Rwanda. It is a great place. Bob Sorgas, who was here two weeks ago, uh, and we're, hopefully we're going over there with him. He gave us another contact. He goes to a very large church regularly in Rwanda and speaks to thousands of people. And God is moving in Rwanda. Our buddy there, James, has what is it, like two or 3,000 churches he oversees uh, in Rwanda. How did all this happen? A million Tutsis were killed by their neighbors. Some husbands killed their wives. How did they come out of that and are thriving? It's a miracle. You know how it happened? Somehow, the Tutsis and the Hutus, the spirit of forgiveness came upon them. And after, it's it's, it's about 100 days of genocide. And after the 100 days were over, they reconciled. They forgave. the Hutus forgave the Tutsis of decades of abuse. And the Tutsis forgave the Hutus of days of abuse. was awful. Forgiveness brought forth a nation. And a great nation. A great nation came forth. Forgiveness brought it forth. I'm telling you, right now in America, we could see Rwanda happen in America. Either the horrific slaying of people or the forgiveness and their unification i mean rwanda's a great nation isn't it I mean it's a you're moving there okay i'll we'll, we'll come over and visit <laughs> julie are you going <laughs> okay we'll talk later <laughs> but it's amazing this was 1994 that's 26 years ago if now this is a country of just a handful of a million people you know i don't had like you can look it up, but it was something like four or five million people lived in Rwanda. A million were killed. It would be the equivalent of killing something like 50 million Americans. If one if Pennsylvania killed 50 million Americans, how do you think Pennsylvania would be viewed today? Uh, yeah, there would be no Pennsylvania. Massive killing. In fact, when we were talking to James over there, he wants us to come over and reach their young. And we met another person in the the western part of Kenya who's a a big-time roller in the church over there too. And says, please come. And this is what he said. He says, we don't have any old people in Rwanda. He says, we killed them all. He says, the population in Rwanda is so young because we killed so many people. And so it's all youth. So what are they looking to do? They're looking to birth a nation that is wrought with forgiveness not bitterness and unforgiveness i tell you that story to give you hope people to give you hope that america can turn to forgiveness and it's not going to start with somebody who's just out throwing rocks it's going to start with right here it's going to start with me being freed from whoever hurt me and then just like any revival, it spreads. And it's supernatural. We need to stop taking on the victim mentality and see even as, I really encourage you to pray the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you haven't done that for a while, but pray it regularly with a mind on forgiveness. I don't want to be a victim. In the Bible, if you read through Genesis um, beginning in chapter 37 and read all the way through chapter 50, uh, it's the character Joseph if there was anybody who could have played the victim card, it was Joseph there's only two people in all the well if you count Jesus, three people three people in the Bible who doesn't say anything negative about them there's nothing recorded about Joseph, see the Bible's not revisionist history, I just want you to know that the Bible just lays it all out. It just does. And so Joseph, nothing's recorded bad about him. Oh, just an aside, because this is important. Right now in Rwanda, um, the the genocide is. Uh, they have two days a year they remember the genocide, and it's law. You have to remember it. And anybody who doesn't remember or who tries to have revisionist history, it is illegal. Why would they remember such a horrific thing? This is their neighbor killed. Your, your dad killed my dad, and we're going to remember this together. Why do they remember it? Because if you don't remember it, the two of you will eventually kill each other, too. Man, our heart needs to be broken that we're trying to rewrite history. You don't rewrite history, you repent. Right? The Bible didn't rewrite anything. Man, if I had been any of the writers of the Bible, I would not have recorded a lot of the stuff they recorded. Right? I mean, you don't tell everything. But they told it because the answer is repent and forgive, not rewrite. Rewrite just means you repeat. Repent means you totally change your thinking. So let me just tell you this about Joseph, and this is where we're going, because I want us to embrace forgiveness in such a strong way. Uh, Joseph was absolutely uh, justified to be the victim. If anybody was a victim, it was Joseph. 17, he got a word from God. It's a pretty awesome word. Tells his brothers. Tell them he's a jerk. He could have been a victim right there. Well, surely dad, my lovely dad. Dad, listen to this. He says, kid, shut up. Twice. Could have been a victim. He goes out to take do what he's supposed to do, watch his brothers. His Brothers say, "Man, we hate this guy. Beat him up, throw him in a well. Third time. He could have easily st- ended the story right there, and he could have said, "Woe is me, most favored son who's in a well. I'm going to die." Right Sold into slavery. That's bad. Fourth time he could have been a victim. He says, he could have said, oh, I'm a slave, I'm terrible, it's going to be awful, I'm never going to mount anything, I'm just going to, no, he says, you know what, I'm not going to go there, I'm not going to be a victim. He held on, I believe he held on to the word of God that he was shown at age 17. He trusted God, and he says, these guys are not going to stand in the way of what God's doing. Then in Potiphar's house, why do I know he kept going on? Because in Potiphar's house, he rose up to the top, top. He was the best the wife as you know the story the, the wife accuses them of rape thrown in prison boom five times he should have been a victim let me tell you any one of these things could have tripped us up right any one of these things could have tripped us up now he's in prison so he's in prison well how do I know he didn't take on the victimhood because he didn't sit in the corner and complain to everybody what did he do? Well, he cleaned out the prison. He helped people. I don't know what he did. Whatever he did, the jailer, the prison warden said, Wow, I like you. How about being in charge? He rose up again. Victims do not rise up. Victims sit in the corner and make everybody else miserable. He refused to be a victim and he rose up in jail. You know, the baker and the other you know, guy. Not, there's a candlestick maker. What's this? <laughs> Yeah, the wine, the, the wine tester, the food tester, whatever he was. This is what happens when you don't read things. Um, they both have dreams. He interprets the dream. The baker died, right? Isn't that right? The, the baker died. And so, so the, the, the food guy, the tester, cupbearer, thank you. I can't think of that name. Hallelujah. I knew I was around smart people. The cupbearer forgot him. Six times he should have been a victim. We're talking now 13 years of a 30-year-old's life. Now, 13 years of my life is becoming less important. But when you're 30, that's a lot of your life. Six times he should have been a victim. He says, I'm not going there. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to hold on to the promises of God. I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to trust in God. So what happens? You know, he rose up, a dream came, and you know, finally the guy, um, the, the candlestick maker, remembered him, and, he, uh, and he, he rose up, and he became, you know this, he became prime minister. It's an awesome story. But here's the proof that he didn't stay a victim. When he became prime minister, right? right? First thing I would have done, I'd have found Potiphar. Throw that lady in jail. He didn't. Why didn't he go after Potiphar's wife? Because he didn't hold unforgiveness to her. He saw, it, he trusted God, he saw it as part of his plan. You never think about that, do you? That he didn't go after why didn't he go after Potiphar's wife? You know who else I'm going after? I'm going after that stupid cupbearer who left me rot for two years. I'm the prime minister and I'll give you something to drink. No? There was none of that in him. Right? None of that. Why? Because he walked in forgiveness and he said, it's part of God's plan. I don't like it. It hurts. I hated jail, but I'm trusting in God. I'm not going to embrace victimhood. I'm going to walk in forgiveness and I'm going to go forward. The next thing we find, seven and a half years later, whenever it was, his brothers come to him. Oh, baby, would he have fun here? Brothers come before him and he had a chance to do anything he wanted to them. And you know what he did? The first time he saw them he blessed them oh man how do you bless them well you can only bless them if you're walking in forgiveness yeah. the next time they come back when he reveals himself to him remember his response he wept why did he weep he wept because God vindicated him God vindicated him if Joseph had vindicated himself the brothers would have been dead God vindicated him and he just wept he had to have everybody clear the room because the Pharaoh's prime minister wasn't allowed to weep And he wept and he embraced him brought everybody in he saved the world he just didn't save Israel Joseph saved the world and then the last thing and you know this scripture But it's so worth reading, and we're going to end with this now. um, Is that uh, finally after dad dies, right? Remember? The brothers thought, well, surely he's just letting us hang around until dad dies, and then he's going to get us. We're talking decades after he had been thrown in the well. You mean to tell me people could hold on to unforgiveness for decades? (laughs) Come on. You can take it to your grave if you want. You can hold on to unforgiveness for as long as you want. Oh, you can hold on to unforgiveness to the next generation and the next generation. One of the things that's bubbling up in America right now is multi-generational unforgiveness. Across the border. This isn't a he, the, she, they, whatever. It's across the border, multi-generational unforgiveness or victimhood. Either one. And when dad dies, the brothers come to him. And what do they say? They say to him, I should probably read it because I'm kind of quoting things poorly today. Um, His brothers in verse 18 of verse 50, his brothers then came, threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. Wow. They voluntarily became slaves his slaves, when they were the one who sold him into slavery. Natural man says, it's about time you realize that. But supernatural man says this, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. He reassured them and it was awesome and they lived happily ever after. Joseph, yes, is a story about the providence of God, but it's really a story about a man who kept forgiving because he understood that God forgave him. That's what it's about. And so when when even Jesus says in the Lord's prayer to pray like this, He puts a lot in the Lord's Prayer about forgiveness. Why? Because it's everything. It's everything, our relationship with Him, and it's everything about our relationship with each other. I want to do this for us now because I just want us to take time right now and get before God. I know I'm
1: interrupting. Here
0: we go. Please.
1: I just feel encouraged to, to say to anybody who might be struggling with the thought of forgiving someone. And, you know, a lot of you heard some things that I said last week, Um, and sometimes you don't have it within you, and you're like, Rick, this sounds so good, That sounds so freeing, but I don't have it, Mm -hmm. and I don't know how to give it when they haven't asked, or you're struggling with that wrong that was done toward you, and I just want to encourage you to pursue it. So you might not have it within you today, but just tell the Lord, I'm going to walk in that direction. I'm going to pursue forgiveness, even though I don't have it from that person, and even though I'm not feeling like I want to even grant it today but just do that for yourself that you say you know what God I'm going to pursue forgiveness
0: and, and, and head in that direction I heard a testimony today at chapel today Wednesday at chapel we were talking about forgiveness in there and the the, the, the adult daughter um, needed to forgive somebody because it was a horrific thing that happened to their family and and uh, but she was mad and dad old guy at the time said you know honey you're going to need to forgive them. She says, I don't feel like it. He says, that's okay. Just focus that direction. See, God's gracious. If forgiveness is supernatural, that means we can't muster it up super, uh, naturally. It's supernatural. The thing we can do, though, is get in a position, like you said, I'm looking towards forgiveness. I don't feel it. God, you're going to have to help me. Why does it in the prayer... Basically, help me forgive. Why? Because it's a struggle. Get in that position. This might be something that you've been holding on to for decades. Get away from it. Get freed from it. Get freed from it. Look for this sign of revival in this next year. When you see victims offering forgiveness, when you see victimizers seeking and calling out in repentance. You see, it's not, revival when somebody just repents for what they did to you. It's revival when one repents and the other forgives. That's when it can happen. That's how you break family curses too, in case you're wondering. But it always starts with whatever you can do. Forgive. Forgive. Get before God. I just want to take time, turn it over to you, AJ, and, and I want to, I was going to do more testimonies, but it just seemed to, I just want to give us time right now to go before God and, and just have him deal with you on any, any unforgiveness you're harboring. He's so gracious, he doesn't beat us, right? He walks us through it, walks us through it. If you felt like you've been a victim, I am sure that you have been, okay? Not telling you you're not. I'm just saying the way to freedom is to not embrace victimhood. The way to freedom is the Joseph way. Man, I'm looking out. I could just call on some testimonies right now of people who you think are just amazing in their life. And if they had wanted to, they could have lived as a victim, but they chose not to.